Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Morning, church. This morning's reading will be Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It's on page 1154 and 5 in the Bibles under the pew. If you'd like to read along, if you'd like to just listen, I'll try to do my best for you. Paul opposes Peter. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood con condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one is justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, and I prove myself to be a transgressor, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no, long, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, help us to practice the implications of these truths. We confess that we try to be justified by doing good. Doing good is not a bad thing, it's just not enough. We can never do enough to be considered righteous in our Father's eyes. Teach us how to appropriate your power in your life incarnate in us that we may be the heart the hands and the feet of Jesus in our time teach us to practice the practice of living by faith through our prayer life 
inspire us to move mountains in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So move in our pastor's spirit that his words resonate with our spirit, helping us to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Holy Spirit, have your way in our pastor and each of us. May we be built up as true disciples of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So I got permission to tell this story. I'll say that first. Right, so Pastor John, who's the senior pastor of Goodwill Church, when him and Shannon first got married, they lived in this little house um, on 17K of Montgomery, approximately one mile exactly to the front door of the historic sanctuary, which we now call the Lindsay Pullman Chapel. And when they first got married, this home was 625 square feet, right? If you look it up today, they identify it as a two-bedroom home. And Pastor John would say that one of those bedrooms he used to use as a closet. You know, but they were just starting out. And, and then... He would go to seminary, and upon graduating seminary, um, there's this piece of article that must be executed in order for him to be officially called as a pastor within the Presbytery of the East. And, and that is almost like a contract, and it's identified as the terms of call. And within the terms of call, there was one item that was added to his terms of call. And that was that Pastor John had the right to use the church's dumpster to get rid of his garbage. Right then. Right then. And at first, one would say, are you joking around? Right then. But, but, I, but I can say, right, that because that was written in his terms of call, he still has the freedom to use the church dumpster. <laughs> right? So years before he got ordained, as he started seminary, him and Shannon were living in this small house. And, and, and the, I believe the home cost... Um, $525 is what they paid for rent. It was right across from Richard's Ice Cream. Um, on the property, they had this pretty good-sized shed that was almost the same size as the house. But the one thing they did not have, right, because everything was inclusive, was, well, what do we do with our garbage, right? And, and back then, um, 
Shannon was in grad school working full time and Pastor John was in seminary and he was um, tuning and fixing pianos is how he tells the story. And he says, you know, they moved in that summer and at first um, they didn't generate a lot of garbage, right? And, and wherever he had permission to um, take his garbage, he would drop it off at somebody's house because the church back then was small. And, and then there was a recycling place on Bracken Road where he was able to take all of his recyclables. Now, every Wednesday, they would have a care group, a Bible study, right? So every, every Wednesday, they would go out of their way to clean up their 625-square-foot home, which would take no time. And, and Pastor John, little by little, whenever he did not take his little bag of garbage to somebody's home to dispose of it, he had an empty shed that he would drop it off. Boop. And now it's nearing the fall. And, and he gets in his mind that, um, you know what, it's, we need more space. So let me clear out the shed, right? And, and somewhere along the line, he had deposited more than just one bag of garbage in that shed. So he knew he was going to be confronted by an odor, right? And, and that the odor was going to be almost as death itself. The one thing he did not know that he was going to encounter was that garbage, once left alone, right, eventually does become alive by the maggots that... <laughs> Right. Now, I don't have any pictures of maggots for you this morning. Because I, I, yeah, I didn't think I needed to go there. Right now. Um, so, so it, it took Pastor John a while to clean that shed, but eventually he conquered. Right? And, but as he tells the story, right? It's like their small home, right? It's if they let the garbage underneath the sink um, overflow, it's, and if it stayed there a little bit too long, that odor would just um, overwhelm their home. But every Wednesday when they would clean up, everybody would always comment how neat everything was. And how in place everything, right? And, and from John and Shannon's perspective, you know, it, it was a small home. It was easy to do. But as Pastor John reflected, right? In, in other words, the things that people were able to see was not the reality of what was happening in their whole home, right? Um, because even though they care for their home, um, all of the property was their responsibility to care for. And, and the shed did not represent what the rest of the home looked like. And, and one would say that what they were presenting was 
very hypocritical. In other words, to live a life of hypocrisy is to present yourself one way, but to live another way. To go out of your way to make an argument for one thing, but meanwhile, you yourself are living and doing the thing that you're arguing for. And that's the very thing that Jesus would comment on with all of the Pharisees, because he would say that they were hypocritical. That the way in which they were living their lives was not in line with what God would want, Jesus would want. To the point that Jesus would even respond, right, and say, so you also outward appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness, right? So, so he would just point that out. Right, and, and the thing is, eventually, Pastor John, before becoming a pastor, would share that story with a set of leaders within the church, the elders of the church, and as they heard his need to have an answer for the garbage problem, and as they put his contract together, they discern, besides money, besides insurance, the one thing he needs is to be able to take care of his garbage. Right? And, and that's how that one little line item made its way to his terms of call, which still sits there today, 25 years later. Right? And, and every once in a while, he'll just brag about that. He goes, you know, I could bring my garbage here. <laughs> but he would say, right, that, that, that what people perceived in reference to his home did not line up with what his garage looked like. And Jesus himself would say, that the Pharisees who were responsible for the life of the people of the church were actually making life difficult for them more than easier because they themselves could not live to the standards of what the law called for. So we're going through this book of Galatians and Paul has been moving and reminding us that some things take time. But now he is in Antioch and he's confronting Peter. Right? And, and sometimes we are put in situations where peer pressure might cause you to make a decision or a choice that doesn't line up with your faith. Right? So we are going to look at these words. 
But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came to, from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. And when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcised party. Right? So, so they were eating. Peter was eating with the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, Paul is witnessing what's happening in front of him. And also a set of leaders from the church in Jerusalem came to Antioch. And as they came in, Peter, who is called Cephas, felt out of place for one reason or another. And here's the thing. Peter knew better. But seeing the group from Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles, and also he removed himself to sit with the Jewish group that came from Jerusalem. And, and Paul is witnessing this, right? It would be almost as if you were sitting in a party having dinner, and all of a sudden somebody with power and authority came in, and you felt ashamed because of the people you were talking to or eating with. And really what it was saying was is that Peter, for that moment, forgot that Jesus broke all the barriers that stood in the way. Because prior to Jesus, to sit with the Gentile was to say that you were ceremonially unclean. But this was supposed to be a Gentile-believing Christian, just like now we had Jewish-believing Christians. So when Paul saw this, he opposed them publicly. In other words, he didn't do it privately, right? And, and some would say, well, that was pretty harsh, right? And, and here's Paul's reasoning. If you're going to do something publicly that's going to defame the church, then you are going to be corrected publicly so that everybody would be able to hear. And here's the thing. Peter received it. He didn't fight back. It's, he probably said, you're right. Right, so before certain men came in from James, right, that's the church in Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came in, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, right? So, so again, it's, those are traditions. And then here's the thing that we need to remember, right? It's, yes, they were converted Christians, but traditionally they were Jew. Right? And, and let me say, traditions in the life of a person carries a lot of weight. Right? And it, I know sometimes we say, no, nah, it's not that bad. Right? It's like, 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 think of this for a moment, right? 
think of you trying to break maybe your grandmother's tradition at Thanksgiving. Right? Right? Certain things have to be in place for it to be Thanksgiving. Right? And all of a sudden, if you want to change that up, it becomes difficult, right? It, it becomes a conversation you start to have with the people around you maybe a month and a half before. Oh, you know what? It's, I'm expected to be there. How can I not be at my grandmother's Thanksgiving meal? Right? And tradition's difficult to break. So we need to remember that they were still Jew just like Jesus himself was a Jew. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy, right? When somebody starts to behave unhealthy, what happens is it starts to impact everybody who's around you. And Barnabas, who was Paul's partner, even he, let's like imagine watching this, right? And all of a sudden, these group come in, and all of a sudden, you see them go, right? It, it, it just stands out. You can't hide it, right? So this decision that Peter made, now remember, Peter is one of the 12 disciples. He walked with Jesus for three years. He was one of the guys, right? And... And here, he is being impacted by those that are around him. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentile to live like a Jew, right? So, so he is just calling them out, right? And because here's the thing, right? Jesus, in going to the cross, upon his nail-pierced hands, he took your and my garbage, which was maggot-filled, And by Peter's actions, what he is saying is that Jesus' sacrifice isn't enough. You need to do one other thing, right? And, and by him moving over, what he was saying is these Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, they need to become Jews first in order to become Christian believers, right? And so, so again, it's, so he was contradicting himself. Right? Even though Peter already knew this, right? If you remember the story in Acts, right? Where also Peter was at the rooftop and all of a sudden he had a dream and, and a sheet came down and all of the different animals came down, right? And God told him, right? Don't call what is unclean clean because I made it so, right? So Peter knew. But sometimes we know. And sometimes we give in to the pressures of those that are around us. Sometimes we give in to the pressure of our own lives. 
We know we shouldn't be doing certain things, and we do it anyway. Right? And we think, well, maybe next time I'll stop. Maybe next time I'll cut back. Maybe next time. Right? And what happens is, secretly, we live this hypocritical life. Instead of just turning to God and saying, Lord, help me. Because I can't do this. So because Peter did it in the open, Paul corrected him in the open. We ourselves are Jew by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know a person is not justified by the works of the law through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Right? To be justified, to be made right in the sight of God. Right? Some would say, just as if not have sin. Right? And in other words, so that when God looks upon you, He looks upon you through Jesus. And God Himself receives the very gift that Jesus provides. And here's the thing, right? To add one thing to the gospel is to take away all of the gospel. Right? And, and that's the problem with the gospel. For us, the gospel just seems too simple. Right? Our job is to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in us and say, yes, I receive it. But right away we start thinking, how can I clean myself up? What can I do so that I could be perfect before God? And anytime we do that, we nullify the work of God. You got to remember from the Jewish perspective, a Gentile, their only purpose was that they were appointed to hell. Their whole background, that's how they viewed it, right? So as a Gentile, that's how they would have viewed us, right? And all of a sudden, we, by the work of God, we receive His finished work and then we have these Jewish believers who are also Christian. And they would say, wait, that's not fair. That happened in my life, right? So when I went to seminary, right, I was working the job that I just loved doing. And God called me to seminary and... And, and, in, and in our seminary school, right, they had what they call the 10% rule, right? So the 10% rule was that if you were of a certain age and you did not have your undergrad degree, as long as you can do the work, you would be accepted into the program, right? And... So here I am, without a four-year degree, where all these other seminarians who have four-year degrees, and they would ask me every once in a while, so Jose, what school did you go to? 
the university of life. <laughs> right? And, and, and they would say, no, no, come on, Jose, tell me. What's cool? It's like, none. Right? And, and they would look at me and go, well, well, that's not right. It's like, well, you don't make the rules. <laughs> right? It's, but at that moment, I, I remember at different times feeling the pressure of just coming up with a school, just to fit in, right? Just, just make it up, Jose. They'll never know. But God knows. God knows. Right? The key is to be honest with yourself as you are honest with God. Right? And, and no one thing, right? There is not a single thing that you can do that's going to justify yourself. God has to do that. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, right? So now he's talking about the Jews himself. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For though the law, I die to the law, so that I might live to God. Right? So the law itself just proves that I can't live to the standards of the law. Right? And the, the law themselves just convey over and over again how much I need God to step into my life. And then he would say these verses that we know. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Right? It is his crucifixion. It is his giving of his life. His death takes away the garbage of your sin. The very thing that just decays and rots. I have been crucified with Christ. Right, think about that for a minute. Have you been crucified with Christ? In other words, have you allowed Christ to be your God, to take everything, all the things you struggle with, right? And I know some of us struggle. I know there's a sense right now that you're being led to a place of, am I hypocritical with how I live my life? Right? And here's what I'm going to say, right? If you don't feel the sting of that a little bit, then maybe God is not the one who's doing the work for you. Maybe you are still the one trying to take your own garbage out. Because here it's, I believe it's something that 
most of us will struggle with at one time or another. But Christ who lives in me, right? Imagine Paul having the nerve to correct Peter, right? Like, like sometimes we see people doing the wrong thing, right? And, and, and we look at them and go, I'll talk to them later. You know, I'm, it's, I'm, you know what? It's, I'll do it privately. But meanwhile, they're living their life out there. And they're saying to the world, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Right? And in turn, that is the calling card that the world sees. And they say, and you call yourself a believer? I've been corrected. I've been corrected by some of you in this place right here, right? It's, I've been corrected by my wife, right? And, and here's the thing, right? It's, every time you're corrected, when you feel like defending yourself, it's because you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong, right? Because to believe in Christ is to allow Him to defend you. Right? And to say, you know what? You're right. You're right. Right? It's, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Right? Nowhere in that verse does it say, well, Jose helped you right, to do the work that only Christ can do. No, God did it and he did it all. Right? This easy life that you and I get to live is because God did the hard part in the life that we get to live. He's the one that takes the garbage out of your life and in my life. He's the one that hung upon that cross. He's the one that gave it all so that you would have it all. He's the one that pursues you even when you didn't even know him. He's the one that died for you, right? Before we even knew what he was dying for. He did it all. So that when we would come to a saving knowledge of who he is, we would stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Right? Nowhere in that they say, thank you, Jesus and Jose. No, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Right? He's the one. As he hung on that cross, right? He took the garbage. He did that. He did it so that you and I would have life beyond this life. Right? And here's the thing. That's a life that we get to live right now. Like a lot of times when we hear about eternal life, we think, okay, I have to die, and then I start to live that life. No, eternity starts now as you live in Christ. That means sometimes there are hard conversations we need to have with people. Sometimes people are not going to like the things you're going to say to them. But know what you are saying to them is bringing them back. And not to say that you have the power to bring them back. That's God's job. Your job is just to be honest with them. 
Be honest with them. And all of this brings us to the table. The table in which we get to celebrate with Jesus. So would you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful. Grateful that you and you alone are the one who justifies. You and you alone are the one who imputes righteousness upon each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that whenever we sense the correction, that we would be open to the correction, just like Peter was. You don't hear Peter defending himself. You don't hear Peter excusing it away. You hear Peter receiving the correction. And, and Lord, I pray that whenever we receive corrections, we would just receive it. So that we would be able to live the life you call us to live. So Lord, help us now as we come to this table. Your table. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.